it's time for What's Up with Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. Morena, Prime Minister. How are you today? Not bad. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, it's good to speak with you this morning. Let's start by talking about what's happening in Iran. It's been over a mm. month of, of protests that we've seen there and, and a really yeah. uh, harsh crackdown with a lot of deaths mm. caused by the Iranian government. Uh, there's been brutal attacks on, on women and other folks protesting in that country, uh, uh, you know, starting from the space of, of not wearing a hijab, but now we're seeing it sort of reach a, a much broader political conversation as well. Now, your officials met with uh, the Iranian ambassador this week to express your concerns. What was actually discussed? It was actually some weeks ago. It was it was much earlier in, in October. And that was because, of course, we shared those same concerns that you've just outlined. Uh, uh, obviously, these protests triggered by uh, the uh, death of a, a young woman, and we had joined very early on calls at that stage uh, around the need for uh, an independent investigation into what occurred um, for her. Uh, and then subsequently, of course, we've been very clear on our views on, on protests. Uh, we've also made comment on the fact that people, uh, communication is limited with inability to access uh, the internet and crackdowns there as well. So a range of things that, that we've traversed. We felt it very important to be able to convey those directly to the ambassador. How would you respond to to the the claims from the Kurdish and Iranian community here in New Zealand that New Zealand isn't going far enough, that your government isn't going far enough in condemning what we're seeing in, in Iran at the moment? Well, my view is that we've been very clear. Uh, but look, I can't imagine what it would be like, of course, to be observing what's, what's happening in Iran with a direct connection to it and a direct connection to people. Uh, of course, you know uh, the situation over there, particularly for those the, for the community itself. Um, that's hugely difficult. So uh, I absolutely understand why they are calling for the entire international community to be turning their minds and attention uh, to what is occurring there. But but I believe we've been absolutely clear in our position. What what do you see as the next step of of involvement for New Zealand in this in this situation? How how does the government in New Zealand yeah. support that community? It's a good. It's a really good question. Uh, for one, for instance, one of the the things that's been asked of us is whether or not we should remove our ambassador in Tehran, and this I think just demonstrates just how difficult the circumstances are for women and girls in that part of the world. Our ambassador in Tehran is accredited to Afghanistan. Uh, they've been one of the the ways in which we've been able to support the exit of women and girls that we've been trying to support in Afghanistan. Now, we've resettled as part of our work uh, since the Taliban has taken over, which of course means that women and girls are unable to move around unescorted. They're unable to attend work, to attend education. Uh, we've managed to support, uh, to resettle in New Zealand, uh, uh, judges, human rights activists, doctors, uh, even a 17-year-old uh, um, elite athlete uh, from Afghanistan. Now we've proudly done that, but we've done that in support with our ambassador in Tehran. So this just demonstrates, I think, how how difficult the situation in the region is. Well, I'm sure we'll be touching touching back on this in future weeks. But mm. let's talk about yeah. the agricultural emissions pricing plan, which was laid out mm. last week uh, by the government. It's a plan to work mm. with farmers to price their emissions and reward farmers who are making significant steps forward to a more sustainable, low emissions future. 
it seems like people are upset about this on both sides of the fence, though. We're, <laughs> we're seeing a lot of frustration. Can yeah. you explain what, what this plan has actually set out to do? Price agricultural emissions. And I think that's the most important part here, is that this is one part of our emissions profile that is significant. Almost half of our emissions uh, in New Zealand are made up of agricultural greenhouse gases. And it's the one part that is, you know, that is, that is not formally part of any emissions reduction program. We can't have that larger gap in our climate action. So several years ago, we said to the sector, we've got to do something about that. The backstop is the ETS. They said, we don't want to use the ETS. If you use the ETS, it doesn't incentivise actual reductions because you don't empower the individual uh, food producer to know what's happening on farm and to, to be incentivised to reduce it and therefore reduce your cost burden. So we said, let's come up with a plan then that does that. They produced, um, uh, they produced that. We took some time to look at it. We made some tweaks. For instance, we've said, yes, we agree. Let's do this farm by farm so we get our emissions down overall. Uh, let's price emissions. But let's not have the price set by the sector. Let's do it um, by government so we can take an advice from the Climate Commission. And there's a few things we need to work through on sequestration, how we treat trees. But overall, we've taken that plan. It's practical. It's credible. We can get it stood up uh, in relatively good time. And so that's what we're now consulting on. What would you say, though, to groups like Greenpeace and other environmental activist groups who are saying that this scheme's got a bit too much of the carrot and not enough of the stick to ensure that farmers are going to do their part here? Well, uh, look, and these are, these are all points that we need to discuss and make sure that we have a credible scheme. But what I would say is that the modelling we've done shows that this scheme will help us meet our methane targets. And that's got to be our goal. We're not just interested in creating a, a, a scheme that uh, means that you know every um, sector is covered. We want to get gross emissions down because that's that's what climate action has to be about. We've set methane targets. This scheme is modelled to meet those targets, and that's exactly what we need to do. Well, it's been a big week for local government elections across the Motu. We've seen a lot of changes to the mayoralties and to, to councils and local boards across the country. There's also been a lot of discussion about whether the system we've got for local government elections is functioning as well as it could be at the moment. Do, do you think it is? And, and would you like to see an investigation into it? What's your thoughts about that? Yeah, no, I, I don't um, think it is working well. I mean, look, in the sense that, that, it's, uh, that it's trustworthy, um, it's yeah, absolutely credible. No one's questioning the outcomes of the election. Um, but I think, you know, we all want a strong democracy and, and one of the, uh, the foundations for that is good participation. We all know we're not, we're, we're not utilising our post uh, as, as people in communities like we used to. Um, I mean, when was the last time you went out and checked your, your letterbox? It's, it's one of those tools that in the past has been deeply embedded in the way we live our lives and now it's not. So at the moment, the only options for local government, they choose in the legislation. They get to choose whether or not they have a day of voting or they have postal voting. I think we need to sit down with them and work through the options. People often reference electronic. The last time that was looked at by a select committee in Parliament, there were real genuine concerns raised about the ability to ensure the integrity of our electoral system isn't undermined through electronic voting, the ability to interfere, for instance. Mm -hmm. We haven't, I don't think, I think those are legitimate, but there have to be other alternatives. So let's work with the local government. 
There has been quite a big shift into, um, I guess, centre-right candidates being elected in the last week that we've seen. Is this something that you're concerned about? Does it act as a litmus test, in your opinion, for potentially what we might see in the general election next year? It's a good question. I, I, what I've, you know, if you look back on past local government elections, uh, they they don't seem to bear that same connection to to general elections. And I think there's lots of reasons for that. In lots of areas, people don't run on clear party tickets. There's lots of independents. There might be endorsed candidates. It's not quite as straightforward to make those assessments. And I just reflect on the fact, if you take Auckland as an example, when John Key was in, um, you had the the likes of um, uh, Lynn Brown, when you had Helen Clark, you had John John Banks. Uh, and so you, you see real variation, I think, in those outcomes. So I'm, I'm not sure we can necessarily draw those those parallels. That might be true, but we have seen a lot of of, of candidates running on, I guess, uh, concerns about things like Three Waters, which of course is directly tied to central government. Is this something that you're thinking about, how you might have to manage that and that discussion? Because oh. we've seen that really blow up in many spaces. Look, look, and, and here, I mean, when we, and yet, um, I'm yet to, to meet, or I've met very few um, in local government who think that the status quo for Three Waters can remain. So whilst there might be uh, an argument made by some that they're not so keen on the government's proposal, no one is that I've met has said we should do absolutely nothing. And I think that's because there is... Uh, and awareness that doing nothing will come at a cost to ratepayers. And that's the interesting thing. No one went out there and campaigned on the rate rises that will actually be required if we if we leave the status quo as it is. So it, look, these, are, these are hard decisions. These are pieces of work that you don't necessarily anticipate when you come into government. But when it was presented to me that the likes of Auckland might have a doubling in their rates bill, I can't sit by and ignore that. We have to do something about that to prevent that. That would produce huge hardship for people. Finally, though, it's at before select committee at the moment. We're always looking for ways to improve. Uh, So whilst the fundamental change needs to occur, we're always looking for ways that we can approve these proposals. So when that report comes back, I do want to make sure that we're we're picking up some some of um, the improvements. Just before we let you go as well, while we're talking about litmus tests for next year's general election, are you concerned about what might be happening in the Hamilton by-election caused by Gaurav Sharma's uh, resignation? Is that something that is an issue for Labour? Oh, look, I think the the bigger issue is more for the taxpayer, a completely unnecessary uh, triggering of a by-election. I mean, um, Gaurav Sharma is currently the MP, um, he is now uh, triggering a by-election in order to run again to try and be the MP. It makes zero sense. It's going to cost the taxpayer uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, and there's a general election next year. If he really wanted to uh, to test out his ability to win the seat again, he should have left it till then. Well, thank you very much for your time this morning, Prime Minister. We really appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you in a few weeks. Ka kite. Ka kite. That was What's Up with Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern.